Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org, or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. After the death of the great King David in Israel, his son Solomon assumed the throne. Solomon achieved much glory and splendor during his reign, and there's no doubt that this was a high peak in the history of Israel. But Solomon's ending, like that of his father, was not so glorious. To read the account of the events in the Old Testament book of Kings is interesting to be sure, but if God is merciful and grants a spirit of wisdom and revelation, we can realize much more from these accounts than just the great stories and historical events. We could perceive that behind all is a God that is on one hand full of mercy and forgiveness and grace, but on the other hand is righteous and holy in all his dealings with his people. There is an encouragement in these stories, but there's also a warning that should sober us to take great care in all of our doings. Bob Danker has joined us for our fellowship today. Brother Bob, good to have you here for this program. Good to be here, Chris, and to begin this life study of kings. This is a history of many of the kings of Israel. Right. It seems that the main point here is just the historical events that took place during the reign of all these kings. But as you said in your introduction, we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see what is beneath the surface here, Mm -hmm. to see that behind the events of history, there is a God who is moving to carry out his economy with his people on the earth. And uh, in all these accounts of the kings and the way they conducted themselves, we can see how God's people related themselves to God and to his desire to carry out his economy with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, then God, how he also related to them according to the way they conducted themselves. It's very, very enlightening, very sobering, and very helpful. Primarily today we're going to be talking about Solomon, but before we get to talk about Solomon and the kind of tragic unfolding of the latter part of his history and how that affected Israel even to today, as we will see in our program, let's first talk about the ending of his father David. Uh, Just a little bit at the beginning of Kings about David. Most of David's reign is covered in the books of Samuel, but David also, Bob, reached a point, a pinnacle, but then there was a definite decline that was connected very specifically to a tragic event, wasn't it? That's right, Chris. If we read the books of First and Second Samuel, we can see that in the early part of his life was somewhat like the rising of the sun yeah. that begins rising in the early morning and then continues to rise until it reaches its highest point at noon. But after that very high point in his life, as you said, something tragic took place. David indulged his lust 
and he robbed a man of his wife, and uh, he murdered that man. Something that's almost unimaginable when you consider that David was such a positive person according to God's heart. How could such a thing happen? Now, that really teaches us not to trust in ourselves, to realize that we are no better than David, and uh, even though we may have a very bright history in our Christian life, it's possible for us to have a tragic fall, as David did. And after David's fall of taking Bathsheba and murdering Uriah, her husband, his life was like the afternoon mm-hmm. when the sun is going down. And here in the beginning of the book of First Kings, we can see the very lowest point of David's decline at the time of his death. It was not an encouraging ending to David's life, but that was the fruit or the result of David's great sin in murdering Uriah and taking his wife. Christians like to think about David as an example of God's forgiveness. We have the tremendous Psalm 51 and David's heartfelt repentance and his turn back to God, and we do see God's forgiving, merciful hand here on David. And even he grants him Bathsheba after all of that and produces a son, Solomon, who becomes the the top king in Israel. But if we look at the history at all with an objective view, we realize there is a declining, there's a waning here, and this tragic event near the end of his life now, long after the sin, long after he'd been forgiven and had repented, but even in his own household, his own son, not Solomon, but a son named Absalom, rebels against him, tries to wrest away the kingdom, and even lays with one of his concubines, just an evil, uh, despicable poor situation at the conclusion of a life that should have been a celebration in Israel, shouldn't it? That's right. David's life should have ended on a very high note. But if we read the history, we find out that there was a consequence to David's great sin. Although God forgave him and gave him a son, Solomon, who would be the king, would complete the building up of the temple and would reign in a glorious splendor uh, in the kingdom. Even though God gave David all of this, still God carried out a certain discipline or a chastising of David in the latter years of his life. And this shows us something about God that is very, very important. Now we bring the same thought to the uh, consideration of Solomon and interesting how history has a tendency to repeat itself, both positively and negatively, as we see in Solomon. Let's take a couple of verses at the beginning of chapter 2 in the book of 1 Kings, and then we'll join Witness Lee. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and be a man, and keep the commandment of Jehovah your God by walking in his ways, by keeping his statutes, his commandments, and his ordinances, and his testimonies as they are written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that Jehovah may establish his word, that there should not fail to be a man upon the throne of Israel for you. So we have a Jehovah's promise here that David faithfully passes on to Solomon, and uh, the beginning looks quite promising, doesn't it? It does, Chris. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll have more fellowship. Now, concerning Solomon's reign, the whole world of people, whoever knows something about the Bible, they're all a priest. Solomon to the uttermost, but because 
I have seen intrinsic revelation. I feel very sorry for David's indulgence. Sowing the seed which issues in the sun. Who can believe such a wise king in his writing, with his father's writing, tens of times to refer to a fair God, fearing God, fearing God, fearing God. Yet, when the real situation came, fearing God is gone. One who fears God can indulge the lust to that extent to rob one's wife and to have a plot to kill a person. Could this man be David? Incredible. Then with the son Solomon, he was such a high king, white king, all the nations came to him to listen to his word of wisdom. He was real glory and splendor. But could you believe he took that many foreign women as his concubine and took the idols, these evil concubines from the gentle world, brought to him. And he built the worshiping places, which is called high places on the mount, to make them a worshiping place for the idols. Could you believe? I just could not believe. It's beyond, beyond our understanding. David, you were so good up to that point. Just after your noon time, your midday, you began to fade away. Solomon, how could you forget the warning your father's history has told you? Your father's entire family became mass. Look at the situation of Israel. They suffered the loss of the father's land over 26 centuries from Babylon to today. It has never come back to them. Just from 1948, a little strip of land came back to them. Still, that has not been settled yet. Too, too negative. Bob, this is really tragic. Of course, we're taking a peek now farther down into the book uh, and kind of jumping ahead a little bit to give our listeners a background. Solomon begins in such a way of splendor and glory and majesty, yet he begins to take these foreign wives and concubines and ultimately receives not just the wives, but also their idols and accommodates them and even sets up places for the worship of the idols. And the result is, is that Israel loses so much at the end. And he makes this very profound point, Witness Lee just did, that Israel is still, in a sense, suffering of the chastisement related to this. This is remarkable, isn't it? Very remarkable and very tragic, as you pointed out. It's almost unimaginable that David could commit the terrible sin that he committed. Right. And it's equally unimaginable that Solomon could love so many foreign women after Moses had charged Israel not to intermarry with the Gentiles, knowing that the Gentiles would lead 
God's holy people into idolatry. When Solomon joined himself to these foreign women, not just a few, but hundreds of them, (laughs) this opened a wide door for Satan to come in with all the idols of the nations, and Solomon himself was led away from God by these women to worship their idols and even, as you said, to build up places, worshiping places where the people could worship the idols. Solomon led the whole nation into idol worship. Surely this offended God. And this set a kind of a precedent for many, many of the kings that followed Solomon. We know that in the history of Israel, there were a number of good kings. Right. But there were many, many who followed in the way of Solomon. And eventually, God had no choice but to remove Israel from the good land that he had promised them to take them away into captivity, and they lost the enjoyment of the good land. And in a sense, as you said, from the six centuries before Christ until now, they are still struggling to regain the full enjoyment of the God-promised good land. This is the consequence of these great failures of David and then Solomon, full of glory and splendor. His reign was so glorious Yet, because of their mistakes, God's people have been suffering for so long. Right. This is really the peeling back now of the layers of the onion to get into the heart of the matter, or as we saw in our opening program, the intrinsic aspect. This, in principle, bears a real consequence for us, the New Testament believers. This is not just the study of Old Testament history, but herein is a principle that affects us and can affect us even after we are eternally secure in our salvation. There will be a potentially a price to pay, as uh, we are seeing illustrated by the history of Israel. All right, let's go on now and look at Solomon a little bit more, even as he began. Uh, An interesting point, even the name Solomon. Solomon has two names, as we see. uh, If we jump back now to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, David comforted Bathsheba his wife and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bore a son. And he, that would be David, called his name Solomon, which means peaceable or peaceful. And Jehovah loved him, and he sent word through Nathan the prophet and called his name Jedidiah for Jehovah's sake. And Jedidiah, Bob, you correct me, but it means uh, beloved of Jehovah. That's right. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. Solomon had two names, one given by his father, Solomon, meaning peaceful. David realized what he did caused no more peace in his family. So he called this boy peaceful, that he expected to have peace, actually no peace. You can hardly find a case like David's sin Absalom's rebellion against the father. Even he drove the father out of the palace and he lay down with the father's concubine. Oh, what is that? This is God chastising over David. David, I forgive you. To forgive you is one thing. To uh, discipline you according to my governmental righteousness is another thing. But there's another name given by God, Jedidiah. 
That means beloved of Jehovah. God, he is the merciful God, full of forgiveness. So God's heart changed to beloved Solomon. Could you do it? God forgive, and God did have a new start with Solomon. So Solomon, he asked Jehovah to give him wisdom and an understanding. Wisdom is a matter in our spirit. Understanding is a matter in our mind. Quite often we have the wisdom in our spirit, but we don't have the capacity to understand in our mind. So we need God's wisdom in our spirit and God's understanding in our mind. History Christ pleased God because he did not ask God to give him a long life, to give him prosperity, this and that. He only asked God to give him wisdom that he may know how to behave himself among God's people for God's kingdom. This pleased God, and God promised to give him a heart of wisdom and understanding, and in addition, riches and glory and longevity. Well, Bob, surely here we uh, have come to the high point. God is very happy with Solomon in the way he approaches him and makes these requests, not selfishly oriented. And the result is 40 years of reign in peace. But it seemed like this one component, this fear of God that uh, David had written about and spoken of, no doubt even among his children he would have spoken this many, many times. This matter of the fear of God just didn't seem to quite penetrate, did it? It didn't, Chris. And actually it should have. Solomon witnessed all the things that took place in the family of David. And he should have been deeply impressed that he should be very careful in the way that he walked and the way that he conducted himself. Yet we see that Solomon was more than careless. He offended God's holiness to a surpassing degree. And even though he had a very good beginning, as you pointed out, but actually in his joining himself to these foreign women, He made a huge mistake that cost not only him, but also God's people. Now all these centuries, so much suffering and persecution and scattering all over the earth. Uh, What a tremendous consequence there was. Let's uh, come to this final segment now. It's a short one, but this really uh, brings the application into our sphere. And I'll pick up a couple of verses here from Galatians chapter 6 that you and I thought might be helpful as we talked a bit before we went on the air here. I think it makes the point that Witness Lee will underscore quite well. In Galatians 6, 7, and 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For he who sows unto his own flesh will reap corruption of the flesh. But he who sows unto the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal life. There is not a a conflict here. There's not a uh, disagreement between God's forgiveness and a loving kindness 
and his righteousness. Uh, but there is a supreme warning that surrounds or accompanies his loving mercy and forgiveness, isn't there? Absolutely, Chris. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. Such a history indicates to us God's dealing with his people is very strict and very in detail. Don't think, well, how could God do this much? He has thousand people. Would he be careful with me? Would he be careful strict with me? Would he be judging me, dealing with me in details? Probably not. He would not have this much time. This is your thought. If you have ever experienced God dealing, you realize he is very much in detail. Whatever you do, don't forget that is a sowing of his seed. You will have a result coming out of what you sow. Just a little negligence in your behaving, you will receive a result of that. So learn to fear him. Learn to realize that God is loving. That's true. He's kind. That's true. He's full of grace and full of forgiveness. That's true. But you have to realize he is the righteous God and he's righteous in details. Don't forget whatever you do, whatever you speak, that is a sowing. Because the kings all did the wrong things. Their enjoyment in the good land was cut off. And today, we are also kings. So, if we were cut from the enjoyment of Christ, this will cause us to lose our kingship. I just say this much. Bob, we just have a brief amount of time left. We're not talking here about losing our eternal salvation, but help us understand what is it that we risk losing or sacrificing if we are not so careful. Well, this is a wonderful point, Chris. You know, as a result of our believing in Christ, God has brought us into Christ, and we are now in Christ, and Christ is the reality of the good land. He is the inheritance God has given to us for our enjoyment. God wants us to live in Christ and enjoy Christ even up to the level of the kingship. If you consider in the Old Testament, the ones who enjoyed the good land the most were the kings, of course. Right. They were on the top level. Yeah, absolutely. But And God has made every New Testament believer a king and desires that we all would enjoy Christ as our good land up to the level of the kingship. But as we look at the the way the kings in the Old Testament conducted themselves and the result of all the wrong things that they did and God's dealing with them in detail, we get a very strong impression that our enjoyment of Christ, whether we would enjoy Christ or be able to enjoy Christ to such a high level, depends on how we conduct ourselves. And even small mistake that we make in our Christian walk has an impact or a consequence in relation to our enjoyment of Christ. If we want to enjoy Christ on such a high level, we have to walk very carefully and keep ourselves in oneness with the Lord constantly. If we are not 
in the Spirit, if we don't walk in the Spirit, but we live in the flesh, our enjoyment of Christ will be reduced, diminished greatly. So we still have Christ as our eternal portion, our eternal Savior, but our experience of him in this way of enjoyment can be compromised, even lost for a period of time. We should be sobered by this thought, shouldn't we? Absolutely, Chris. Good fellowship, Bob. This is a good beginning to this life study of kings that we're now enjoying, and I hope you'll come back for a number of additional programs. I'd be very pleased to. We hope you'll contact us as well so that you can get the printed messages and follow along each day. Our toll-free number, if you'd like to receive it, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.